0: I feel like I'm home. I told Diana on the phone a little while ago, you need to be here, sweetheart. She said, I know. She's sad she can't be here. She didn't want to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I know she would have done it if she could have been here. But I bring you greetings from her, and I feel at home. Thank you, Brother Michael and Terry, gracious alive how are you all doing? You know, how how has all this mess changed you? I mean, what kind of a person are you now that uh, you could say, I wasn't quite this way going into this a few months ago, but this is what I've become. I heard about a guy who uh, who was asked, by the way, uh, Ken, you'll, you'll appreciate this. He was asked if uh, things were getting sort of tense around his house because, you know, they were together more than they'd ever been in their life, you know, nobody, and he said, no, he said, everything my wife and I are doing just, he said, well, he said, I I take that back, he said, "Um, a few days ago, uh, she hollered down from upstairs, she said, honey, uh, do you have this sharp pain between your shoulders, like, Feels like maybe somebody's made a voodoo doll and sticking pins in it or something. And he said, no, sweetheart, why? She said, uh, how about now? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. How has this changed you? I've, I've watched in my neighborhood. I've watched in our church there in Oklahoma City. I've... Um, I've listened carefully to some of my friends as we talk on the telephone, and I'm, I'm confessing to you this morning that, that I'm somewhat alarmed at what I see. People who, who were nice have become grouchy. I, I've watched faith. Uh, replaced by fear and anxiety on the part of people, whether it's the the physical illness, the global pandemic, or the economic situation, or the political situation, or the current social unrest. I've watched people who who normally seem to be calm and, you know, they they would tell you they trusted God. I've watched them... uh, as they have become anxious and sometimes grumpy and short-tempered, and uh, it has been surprising to me. Uh, I've looked in my own family. Don and I have children. In fact, in fact, uh, you know we had 33 grandkids and six kids, we nine great grandkids that we share. As a matter of fact, on Good Friday, uh, last Easter season, on Good Friday, we got on one of these deals where you could see everybody on the computer screen, and we had kids in, in, on four continents. We had kids in Greece and, and the Middle East and in Southeast Asia and, of course, here. And we all got together as a family, and I led them in the Lord's Supper. They all had the elements there at their, at their houses, whether they were in Greece or Chiang Mai, Thailand, or Amman, Jordan, or whatever, and we just went through the Lord's Supper. We had such, such a great time, but, but I've, been, I've been listening even to my own children as they call, and they say, well, Daddy, what, what do you think about, about this? Well, why do you think God in His sovereign grace and mercy and love for you and me has allowed this moment to come into our lives? Is it to make you more frightened? Is it to make you more anxious? Is it to make you more angry? Is it to make you feel more helpless? Is it to, to transform you from a victorious Christian to To a person who goes to bed at night not with faith in your heart but with fear? You think God has has brought this into our lives for this reason? This morning, I want to challenge us to think together about a term. This is the term, fresh surrender. Fresh surrender. Two words, the word fresh Something heretofore that is unknown, something that up to this point in your life you've not experienced, Uh, something about which you have little knowledge, it's fresh, it is new. And then there's that word surrender. I want to make sure that we understand that, that surrender is a matter of giving up totally laying down your arms concession that's what the word means it can't mean anything other than that or it's not surrender it is not fresh commitment that i'm talking about because commitment depends upon your effort your work your determination it's not a fresh dedication. Once again, dedication depends upon upon you determining you're going to do something. It's not, it's not that we're we're thinking about a fresh, a heretofore unexperienced giving up. Fresh surrender. Would you would you turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter twelve? I want to read to you a few verses. Some years ago, and and, and Michael, I uh, I didn't realize I had preached here that much. But I will tell you this: I uh, I love this church. I love your pastor. I would take a bullet for him. Don't. <laughs> well, never mind. Don't don't test me on that <laughs> uh, <laughs> this morning. But I would. I would take a bullet for him. Um, and I. I love you and I I, I don't know that that I know on this globe that I experience any place else what I experience here where a church loves its pastor and a pastor loves its church and the pastor gives himself to minister to the church and then when the pastor is in need the church gives itself to minister to the pastor and and their leadership team and it's just an incredible thing to see what God has done and continues to do with this church. And so, some years ago, I I preached a message from this text, not this message. As a matter of fact, I think the title of the message was Long-Term, Painful, Perplexing Problems. In other words, how do you deal with problems? Well, problems are a part of the fabric of this passage, which I'm going to read in a few moments, beginning with verse 7. But the whole fabric, the whole cloth is about fresh surrender. And here's what I want want us to see this morning. Can, Can you just think with me about this? The Apostle Paul, when he is writing about this, he doesn't know this, but he's only about a third of the way into his ministry. It is incredible what has already happened in this man and through this man's life. It, it 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 staggers you to think what he has already experienced. In fact, go back to chapter 11, if you will, just for a moment, and I want to read to you the, the, these things that, that he experienced. He's, he says, you know, if you want to talk about having a heritage, are they Hebrews? So am I. Israelites? So am I. Seed of Abraham? So am I. Ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. He said, I've, I've, got, the, I've got the credentials here, the heritage. And then he says, you want to talk about what you've gone through for the gospel? He said, Look, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often of the Jews five times I've received. Forty stripes, save one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of rivers, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, painfulness, watchings often, hunger, thirst, fasting, often in cold and nakedness. <laughs> This guy's gone through something. Beside that, he said, I've got a heart for it. He said, beside those things that are without, that which comes upon me daily, the care of the churches. Who's weak? I'm not weak. Who's offended? And I I don't get offended. Paul, you got everything. He doesn't know it. But he's only a third of the way home at this moment. But for him to get to the finish line, there has to be an adjustment in his life, a fresh surrender. And, and some of us, you may think, I've gone about, I've gone the distance, what, what else could there be? You know, when you think about this, this thing that's happened globally and, and socially, and, and some of you are facing family problems. Some of you are facing financial problems, or, or maybe, you're, you're, maybe you've got physical problems and you're, you're facing this and you're, you're sort of retooling, you're redesigning your life. And let me just tell you something, before you make plans for your life, God wants you to experience fresh surrender. Don't you sit down and plan out your life and figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life until you've come to God in fresh surrender. You see, that's what God has on his agenda here. So let me read to you this scripture, beginning with verse 7. Then I want to make just a few very brief comments and call us to a time of decision. He said, in addition to the heritage and the hurts and the heart, in the opening verses of chapter 12, he said, I have something none of you have, and that is a heavenly vision. And he speaks about it. It's so sacred to him, he writes about it in the third person. I knew a man, he says. He's talking about himself. Now, anybody, the apostle Paul included, would be tempted to say, so don't cross me. Don't try to tell me what to do. I've been there. I've done that. Don't, don't give me any advice. I, I have it all. You're going to name some Christian who's done more than what I've done in this early part of... No, I'm through. But he says, listen to this, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, verse 7, to keep me from exalting myself. There was given me a, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He said, in case you missed it, To keep me from exalting myself. In other words, God's God's come to a point in Paul's life where there is, if it's not a flaw, there is a tendency that he's going to have to correct in his life. Concerning this, he said, Lord, you know, you're talking to Paul here. Why should I have this? I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you. In other words, he said, No. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not going to take it away. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. So God was asking Paul for a fresh surrender. He was asking him to make a decision. You want my power? It's perfected in weakness. With it comes weakness. With power comes the thorn in the flesh. So what do you want? Most gladly, therefore, verse 10, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, he said, okay, I've made peace with this. I'm well content with weaknesses. Would you be? What if this becomes the standard for the rest of your life? Would you, could you be well content? I'm well content with weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for the Lord's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Listen, folks, you may think you've been there, done it, and you've come to the point where it's just about all you're going to be able to do given the current situations. Let me tell you that if you would check out Paul's life, you would discover that it was the next few years of his life, nine years of his life, that were his greatest years of ministry. Touched two-thirds of the Mediterranean world. When he wrote this, there were still eight of the 13 letters that you have in your Bible left to be written, including the first one. In that list, which is the book of Romans, the magnum opus for the Christian faith, the shadow of it falls across this congregation this morning. Four prison epistles. He would not have written those in prison. He would have sat in prison and sucked his thumb and talked about how bad God was treating him if he hadn't come to this adjustment, this fresh surrender. Do you see what I'm driving at here? God is asking us for a fresh surrender. So there's four prison epistles, and then another one written while under house arrest by the Romans, 2 Timothy, which is his last, last book that he wrote. All of that was waiting on the other side of his fresh surrender. What's awaiting the other side of your fresh surrender? So before you say, well, I'm too old or I'm too sick, or I've gotten this diagnosis or I'm out of money or my family's this or my family's that or the world's gone mad or everybody's upset and I don't have any friends or I'm closed up or I'm uh, shut down. Hey, what's waiting on the other side of your fresh surrender? Let me remind you most of what Paul did that we have from him he did in prison. Those four prison epistles. Incredible. So what's going to come out of all this for you? How is this going to change you? What's going on right now? How how is this changing you? God is saying, I'm just waiting. I need a fresh surrender. Three comments about this term, all right? First of all, it's the words "fresh surrender." That's a proper description. That's the first one I, I, thing I want to say. It's proper. Paul had, had ministered. He was famous for his ministry. He had traveled. You read. We just read a lot of the things that he had gone through. But God was God was wanting an adjustment. What this says is that God has a balance for your life. He has more for you to do. He has work for you to do. He has ministry to your family, to your friends, as a believer in Christ in this community and in this world. But this requires, apparently, in every one of us, a change in character. God has put his finger on something in your life, and he's saying, I need you to give up here. I need you to give up. Give this up. You've hung on to it. Give it up. I don't know what that is for you. I'm ready, said God, for fresh surrender. So it's a proper description. This church, this church family, you have loved us. You have known me. I was, actually preached here before Michael was the pastor, back when we first were headed to the mission field and in training at Callaway Gardens and came here and preached. So, you followed in some ways the things that have happened in our life, and you have heard me tell from this very platform of different times in my own life where God has brought me or us to fresh surrender. The first being giving up and trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. Surrendering to Him as Lord of my life, answering Him in His call to preach. Some of you heard me um, tell about a time in Vermont when I was 20 years of age, when the Lord just hemmed me up in a basement, gave me a book, which, by the way, Ron and Stephanie Bennett found a copy of that book and sent it to me. I I appreciate that so much. But, But I found a book and read about the importance of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And God brought me to what? A fresh surrender. And sometimes that fresh surrender meant stepping up, stepping into. Sometimes it meant stepping down, stepping out of. Sometimes it meant going on. Sometimes it meant standing still. But always there was something that had to be laid on the table. What is it in your life that needs to be put on the table? Lord, I give that up. I've hung on to it. I've cherished it. I give it up. That's what he's talking about here. Last year, I think I stood here and talked about uh, a recent experience of mine when the Lord just, just said to me in my heart, Can we be friends? I had to surrender something because I was trying to impress Jesus then. At that moment in my life, I, I wanted to come to the end of every day and just say, look at this. And it was as if he put his hand on my shoulder and said, hey, hey, can we just be friends? Fresh surrender. So that is a, that's a proper description. The second thing, I told you this wasn't going to take long. The second thing I would like to say about this term, fresh surrender, is that it is a persistent demand. Now, what do I mean by that? It means that it's something that happens frequently in the life of a believer who wants to go forward with God. And if you don't want, and you just park, and you're truly a believer, then He's just going to keep working on you until you surrender. Why? Because He is working within you, both the will and to do of His good pleasure. Romans 8 verse 29 says that he is at work conforming you, every believer in Christ, conforming us to the image of his dear son. And so when he finds an area in our life where we seem to have taken ownership and we've said, this is is my plan, this is the way I'm going to do this, then God has got to move us to a point of fresh surrender to his lordship. I give up. I lay this down. I wish I had time this morning to take you on a journey through both the Old Testament and the New Testament where you would discover that in the life of every person whom God has used, there have been moments when fresh surrender was required. What about Abraham? Who had to get back to Bethel what about what about Jacob who coming back home had to stop by the brook Jabbok what about Moses on the backside of the desert who who after having tried to lead Egypt and then ultimately ending up as a shepherd had to surrender afresh to God and several other times during that journey uh, the, the list is endless. What about Job? Oh, now there's a book who, who lost everything but ended up with fresh surrender and the latter years were greater than the former years after surrender. What about David after his sin with Bathsheba? What about Elijah? Fresh surrender. What about Peter who, after all that bold, audacious talk, walks with Jesus away from the crowd of disciples following the resurrection only to hear His Lord say, Do you love me? No, do you love me? And out of that fresh surrender came the the first sermon when, when Peter preached at Pentecost, he saw more people follow Christ in three minutes than Jesus did after three years of ministry on earth and became a tender-hearted shepherd. And here's Paul. So, so when God finds in your life or my life anything, what is it in your life? What are you becoming? What is this making you? You become like what you think about. You you gobble down 30, 40, 50 minutes of the news every night, which is designed to keep you scared. You're going to be scared. They got to keep you scared. Got to keep everybody frightened in turmoil because that's the only way they can get you back, and getting you back is the only way they can make money. So it's designed to do that. Twelve-pound hailstones falling out of the sky. Stay tuned. We'll come back. Of course you will. So this is this is a persistent event. God just keeps working on us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? One of our uh, missionaries. With I and and this church has loved International Mission Board like no church I know of. And those days when you would come and do refresh, we had such sweet, sweet times together. Oh, it's so giving, so loving. I'm so grateful for this church. One of our missionaries, now in his 90s, uh, Sam James, missionary to Vietnam, stayed through the war. I mean, th- this guy is incredible. You think, man, well, you know, that guy needs to surrender anything. He's given up his country, he's given up everything, he's gone to Vietnam. And one day during a particular troublesome time, when he was thinking, God, you sort of owe me a little bit better kind of a ride here in, in in Vietnam, he said, On my knees I cried out, Lord, you know that I'm here because I love the Vietnamese. And he said, I heard God say, No, you're there because I love the Vietnamese. Fresh surrender, a persistent demand. Manly Beasley used to say, if God is silent, that means it's your next move. He's ready for you to say yes, Lord. So what is it in your life? What area, little walled-off area, what have you become? What are you becoming? What are you like? How have you changed Who's changing you? What is it that the Lord needs to have from you? What kind of surrender? Where is it? Your home, your family, your health, your money, your pocketbook, your church commitment? He's demanding fresh surrender, a persistent demand. Last statement. In this term fresh surrender. There is a, what I want to call a promising discipline. God doesn't punish his children. Just write that down. That is a fact. Jesus took our punishment on the cross. So what does God do? He disciplines us. Don't call that punishment because discipline, when you discipline a child, what you're, in, in, instead of punishing a child, what you're saying is, I believe you have a future. And with an adjustment here, that future can be better than, it's, than it will be the way you're headed right now. So I'm going to invest some of my time in seeing that you become a different person. That's what di- discipline is. And surrender is a promising discipline. The Bible says to those who work out with it, the word there is jimnao, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. God making things right. So what did Paul do? Paul said, I surrender. Therefore, he says, even though I've implored you three times that it would—I've been kicking and screaming and saying, "Lord, you can't take this from me. That's my health. You can't take this from me. That's my house. That's 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 my that's my bank account. That's my future. That's my 501. You, you can't take that from me, Lord. Lord, you 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 can't take her. You can't take him." You, you can't make this. Lord, I grew up and... I, Go ahead. God says, I'm just waiting for fresh surrender. When you decide that you don't own anything, I own everything. On the other side of that was what? Paul's greatest Years of ministry. In addition to covering two-thirds of the Mediterranean world, he wrote the book of Romans. Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. And finally, he could end up, as he did in 2 Timothy, saying, okay. Whew. I fought a good fight. I've, I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. This forth there is laid up for me a crown of glory which the Lord the righteous, or a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but to all those who love his appearing. So he said at the beginning, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm ready. But think of what happened after Paul's fresh surrender what is hanging out there in the balance right now awaiting your fresh surrender what could God do with the balance of a surrendered life what what would that look like how what could that be I want to remind you that some of the people that are favorites in this church, like a Ron Dunn or a Manly Beasley, did not get to that point of incredible transparency and authority without walking frequently through moments when fresh surrender was desired and demanded. Brother Manly used to say, I had three terminal illnesses. There was a lady who died in 1953 who had four terminal illnesses. Her, her name was Martha Snell Nicholson. Four terminal illnesses. Rarely was out of bed or a wheelchair. I mean, she was in incredible pain. And she took this passage of scripture and she said, uh, she wrote a poem. She said, I stood a mendicate, that's a becker. I stood a mendicant of God before his royal throne and begged him for a priceless gift which I could call my own and I took the gift from out his hand but as I would depart I cried but Lord this is a thorn and it's pierced my heart this hurtful gift that you have given me and he said my child I give good gifts and I gave my best to thee. So I took it home, and though at first this cruel thorn seemed sore, as long years passed, I learned at last to love it more and more. I learned he never gives a thorn without this added grace. He takes the thorn. What is yours? Is your finances, your health, your home? Your career, your feeling of safety, what is it? He takes the thorn to pin aside the veil that hides his face. So one final statement, and that is that um, fresh surrender is awaiting your personal decision. Give up, like a little baby squirming and crying and fussing. Finally, in his mother's arms, says, "And rest safely." Would you bow your head with me, please, Father? I pray that your Holy Spirit will use this passage. Scripture to speak to our hearts. Paul, we see, wrestled with a thorn in the flesh and discovered that that thorn was the future uh, secret of his effectiveness. If he hadn't been willing to give up on his comfort and having to be put out, how could he have survived those prisons? not fussing and griping and seeking an attorney, but instead sitting down to write letters that would change the course of Christian history. So, Lord, we have to ask, how long will it be until we surrender that thing that we hold dear to your loving discipline till we give up in fresh surrender. While our heads are bowed, could I I just ask you this question? How many people are there here this morning in the balcony and on this lower floor who would say, It's not just that I have a general sense of uneasiness. I know precisely where God has put his finger and said, will you give up? Will you surrender? How many of us would say that here this morning? Just raise your hand way up high and hold it up there. I know exactly what it is. I know where it is. And God has put his finger on that and he said, Give up. Give up. Amen. Before I finish this prayer, how many of those who raised their hand would say, By God's grace, I intend to freshly surrender to the loving Lordship of Jesus. Would you just stand right where you are just stand up? You're saying, By God's grace, I give up. I freshly surrender to the Lordship of Christ in my life. Father in heaven, how I pray your Holy Spirit would hold our feet to the fire. We're going to be tested on this. Every one of us is going to be tested on this. Before we get out of the auditorium, the Lord's going to say to us, uh, do you really mean that? And Satan will, from behind us will whisper, oh, it's just one more day, one more service. You're just, it's emotional. And yet your voice, Lord, do you really mean this? Do you really mean this? Father, what incredible lives and ministries await on the other side of this surrender. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of saying yes to you. Amen.